Well, welcome to this uh, podcast on uh, the book, Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master, and the Master is, of course, Jesus. My guest for this podcast is Susan Hewitt, who I've met briefly a couple times and have met her husband more times and met with him many times. And I really appreciate this time to be with you, Susan. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for reading the book. It's been my pleasure. I really appreciate that. I understand that you uh, have recently lost your father. Is that is that true? Yes, actually, a uh, little over 90 years on this earth, and God called him home Easter Sunday morning. So for a believer, you can't have a more special day to head to our heavenly home. What is that great timing, huh? It's just uh, the resurrection all over the place. That's uh, really great. And obviously, uh, you made mention he's a believer, and he was a believer, and so uh, you know where he is. What a blessing that is. Well, um, we're sorry for your loss and uh, uh, thankful for his faith. That's really a, a wonderful thing. I understand you've been working on your PhD. I think you mentioned that uh, briefly as we met a few months ago and spoke very briefly. But um, uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yes, um, working on my doctorate at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix and doing it online. So I've become rather good at online calls. And it is in the area of organizational leadership with an emphasis in Christian ministry. And so I began that about three and a half years ago. And I'm happy to say I got approved on my defense a week ago Monday. So I'm on the final two steps. Uh, the, dissertation is off to form and formatting and then to the dean. So I'm seeing a light in the distance and praying it's a positive one. So <laughs> hopefully I'm on that last, you know, turn. Well, I have the highest respect for anyone who's going through that process. I, I actually did that twice and people mm -hmm. asked me, uh, that's unusual for a person. I said, well, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm uh, about a hundred plus percent confident this is the one time only so but it's been a great process and learned a lot and uh, ironically actually my dissertation topic is how to motivate Christians to community service and to be that positive civil light out in society so I really enjoyed reading your book and tying that into the research I've just recently completed. Oh, that's really great. I'm glad it did some double duty for you then. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, we'll look forward to that. Uh, I, as a church doctor, I'm very interested in how we motivate people in the church. So um, that would be something that I'd be interested to read also. So uh, please keep me in mind and I'll figure out how I might be able to read that. I, I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, everybody knows as we uh, record this, we are in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, and uh, uh, we've been shut in now for longer than I can remember. It's uh, been a long time. It seems like it drags on forever. I don't know about you, but uh, as uh, we hear over and over again in the media, this too will pass, and uh, we'll get through this together. And um, that, of course, assumes that we are together. And uh, not only together as uh, husbands and wives and families and all the rest, but uh, 
together as a nation, together as people, together in our behavior with one another. And that sort of brings us to uh, to my question, and that is, do you think that the COVID-19 virus has increased our respect for one another or de decreased it or both? And what do you predict will occur uh, when this pandemic has passed? Mm, it's a great question. You know, I do believe the pandemic overall has increased our respect for one another. Um, I have found it encouraging and heartwarming to see how people realize that they actually need each other. And uh, whether it's that ER nurse or the grocery store clerk or even our fellow, you know, church members, um, it just seems that there's a greater appreciation and a deeper level of care and concern. And so actually my prayer is that we not go back to the old normal, <laughs> myself included, because I believe there was a certain level where we took this all for granted. Along with living, you know, with the ongoing expectation that we'd always have an abundance of food or free accessibility to healthcare services and, and even the personal mobility to go anywhere in the world um, at any time that we wanted to go there, I think, uh, and I've been praying as uh, Christians that we really stand up and hopefully um, can be an ongoing force for good, you know, and be that civility in our communities. And I do think God has given us this uh, time uh, as well, maybe a bit of a test. Uh, you know, a lot of us, including myself, sometimes say, oh, I'm too busy for that devotional time or that quiet time. And I think God has given us a lot of time now at home. And so my prayer has been that people really are deepening their faith walk. And so personally, that side, and then even congregations thinking about many hadn't went to the digital age, right? You know, uh, and now that they've been doing more, you know, at least the worship service, some I know have added Bible studies and meetings that, I just pray it can be a new chapter. I think we needed that revitalization, that new energy. And um, I, if this doesn't do it, I can't imagine what else would. So <laughs> it's been a, it's a new, it's, it is a new day and a new normal, but hopefully we'll have a little bit more freedom in the next chapter. Yeah, that's so true. As I left home to come to do this podcast uh, at our office, uh, I said goodbye to my wife and she was in the middle of a, of a, a podcast on her phone with uh, our pastor, our son is, oh. is our pastor right now. And uh, he does a daily Bible study, which mm. I don't think, uh, I don't ever remember my wife being involved in a, in an electronic uh, Bible study like that, but she's on it every day. <laughs> and uh, oh. I, uh, I had to disturb her a little bit to give her a kiss goodbye, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, it was, uh, it, it's interesting how it, it does uh, help us to broaden our, uh, our views of life and how life works. And one of the things that interests me about this is that when there's a major issue in the world, uh, whether it be after World War II uh, or after even 9-11, when that took place, uh, church attendance increases for a while. A lot of folks who've been away from God uh, feel like they want to get back. And uh, churches, of course, have to do something to respond to that and uh, develop that relationship further to make it to make it to continue. But um, there is this uh, this influx and it's going to be very interesting to watch to see if God will use this 
for many people to uh, grow in their faith and increase uh, their participation in church and in the word and in Bible study and, and all the rest. Also, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if people just uh, decide to uh, stay inside and, and worship when it's not necessary anymore on the internet, <laughs> because there are a lot of worship services that have been on the internet for a long time. Right. So we don't know. It's a kind of a new normal ahead of us here, whatever it is. As you, uh, as you read the book, uh, Susan, Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master, did you gain any new insights uh, for your own life? And if so, what, what issues have helped you? You know, I really liked and valued your definition of civility. Um, it was a great reminder that civility is about uh, respect for others and that decency and that kindness and even that grace that we give each other. And so I loved how it talked about um, restoration and how it has a focus on a common good versus that individual self-focus. So that really deepened my understanding as I read through all those parts. And, and I loved, which I hope some groups can learn from uh, the statement you said, how to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. You know, uh, that civility is that key to that productive dialogue. And how many times you listen to an, a well, presidential debate is a prime example <laughs> that we were watching before with all the Democrat Democratic candidates. Because productive dialogue really takes active listening and unbiased listening to be at least open to somebody else's opinion. And I think that obviously is the way to new understanding. And so, um, yeah, your definitions definitely gave me some new insights. And I was, yeah, appreciative for your viewpoint. Well, I, I learned myself as I went through that, uh, to be honest. I There were a lot of insights as I dug into the both the scripture and uh, the dictionary <laughs> mm -hmm. under some of these issues. And I, I was just absolutely surprised to see the, the difference uh, in meaning, the, the depth of meaning that helped even me. So uh, when you teach, you learn, right? <laughs> and whether yes. you're learn doing it, right, whether you write or whether you teach uh, verbally, yeah. Tell me a little bit about your church life and uh, how you're involved and how you've been involved in the past, and if you can share any stories about civility that you've observed uh, in your church experience, or maybe even some incivility occasionally. Yes, well, and it's interesting, and you said in the past as well, so I've been on the staff of a very large church. I have uh, helped plant two churches, um, and then even served on our denomination for a while as like a regional employee. So kind of a very diverse background, but actually currently um, my husband and I are members of a smaller church. We just moved kind of out of the city, sold the big old house and moved to a townhouse. And we, I call it right-sizing because both of our kids live out of state and it's just much better. But we ended up the closest church um, only a mile and a half from our house worships about 70 to 80 people on a Sunday. And so when we joined about a year ago, um, they were starting to work on revitalization. And soon I was asked to join the committee and uh, somehow in the first meeting, of course, I got elected as chair, right? <laughs> <laughs> so what I asked them to do was to start out with reading a book called Kingdom Come by Reggie McNeil. 
and I don't know if you've read it, but it really helps people to focus on God's priority. You know, um, as you discussed in your book as well, the kingdom of God versus that church-centric view of issues and programs. And so it was exciting. The committee was very convicted, as I was too, as I reread the book, um, how we do tend to kind of migrate to that inward focus on church issues and topics and not really be living as God intended and described in his word. So um, we, and we all realized that the change needed to start with us. So for uh, an example though of incivility, as I was thinking about this, um, without getting too much detail, as the committee met, I was also meeting with the elders and the board uh, to try to make sure that we kept them informed, kept in sync with them, had their support. Um, and so in March, we were going to actually hold our revitalization retreat on a Saturday morning. But unfortunately, because of the COVID-19, it wasn't held. But when the date was sent out to all these individuals that were going to come, I had the head elder who sent a very negative and defeating email back to all 24 people in the email and basically said how he wasn't going to be a part of this non-productive conversation. Ooh. And I went, ooh, so back to <laughs> <laughs> you talking about, you had examples in your book about incivility and how do you, the communication of, you know, mass communication of internet. So after a little prayer time, I responded to just him and our pastor and really said, you know, if you have concerns, please talk to one of us, one of us directly. You know, a large group email from a congregation leader really isn't helpful to the health of the congregation or moving the congregation forward. So he replied and said he understood. Um, he just, you know, was a little overwhelmed by the number of people coming to the meeting. I'm like, okay. You know, you gave me an explanation, but uh, so I do have examples, obviously, but that was the most recent one that came to mind. Uh, and I think uh, we're all still learning and growing how to do better in our communications, be more civil. So, you know, uh, one of the reasons I wrote uh, the book and did the research for the book was that uh, it, it occurred to us as people who consult churches, the increase in the abuse of the Internet. Uh, the the whole idea of instead of uh, speaking the truth in love <laughs> to each other, which is a very biblical concept, yes. uh, very Christian thing to do, uh, the whole idea of actually um, the whole idea of, of copying a number of people, which is just a stroke of a key and so mm -hmm. easy to do, but rather than having a one-on-one -on -one personal conversation and uh, of course Jesus deals with that in Matthew 18 where he says go to the person and talk to him privately one-on-one -on -one. and uh, that uh, covers our emails but it, uh, it it is widely getting widely abused in churches where people just continue to make copies to other people and so one of the reasons I started working on that uh, book was I just saw a rise in what I later learned to call incivility uh, of people, particularly with the internet. It's just so easy to do. And uh, honestly, nobody likes stress and the challenge of disagreeing with someone. 
but to hide behind the internet, you know, use abuse that purpose and then gather your forces by uh, copying it to everybody is just, uh, and you know, there are so many Christians that, that we've met that don't even understand Matthew 18 that applies to the internet as well. So we have this temptation that we can uh, uh, easily fall into that trap. It, it, the internet makes it so easy, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. So we're not uh, completely devoid of that uh, temptation, even in the church. And we do, uh, we do confess that uh, we're not perfect, uh, but we're forgiven uh, through Jesus. That's a, that's a big difference where we don't go around praying that we are perfect. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus, but mm -hmm. that's not the case. And that's easy to see. Um, so have you observed other challenges in your church based on uh, this whole issue of civility and uh, being polite? Yes. You know, when I, when you're saying that, I was thinking about <laughs> uh, the denomination that I'm a part of and where it's interesting that it seems like in the work I've been doing as a leader in a Christian nonprofit in the Twin Cities area the last few years, every denomination I'd meet with, almost some part of the conversation would go, well, we've got the very mission-minded folks here, and we've got these congregations here that are very conservative and really want to, you know, keep the straight and narrow path. And um, I was up for our national, in our denominationals board of directors this last July. And I saw more emails coming through about, we need to all vote this way, or we need to all vote this way because the other side is wrong. And I kept thinking, oh my goodness, you know, there wasn't compromise, there wasn't Matthew 18 work, you know, uh, most often people weren't naming names, but they were generalizing, you know, this group and what's wrong with the that group. And so um, we know that we have to transform ourselves first and be a stronger witness for Christ in order then to influence others. And I did appreciate your focus on that in the book where unless we can change our actions and our thoughts and our words, um, how can we then influence others if we're not role modeling that? And so, yeah, a uh, little too much firsthand knowledge in the last year <laughs> about different groups and then watching to our government, you know, the whole polarization of, of Democrats and Republicans and not looking for the good of all. And I think the good of the country and then the denominations, the good of having a the message of love and care for Christ. It's kind of hard to put that message out when your denomination is throwing stones at each other. And, and I do think it's Satan's way of distracting us from the real work that we're supposed to be doing. Keep them fighting amongst themselves and they won't, you know, reach out into the world and yeah, make a difference there. So hoping we can move to a new day often wonder if um, the way we organize church so often as an organization, mm -hmm. uh, which has uh, political implications, uh, and then uh, the fact that in the scripture, in the New Testament, nowhere does it focus on the church as a political organization. Um, it uh, is 
in all the metaphors that are used in the New Testament about the church, the body of Christ, the priesthood of believers, the the family of God, uh, the citizens of the kingdom, all of those things are living organisms, not uh, organizations. And uh, with organization comes politics, but with uh, an organism comes responsibility and respect. And so you wonder how how we can drift. And then, of course, you mentioned the politics in our nation, which is not really a laughing matter, but I can't hardly say it seriously because it's pathetic. I mean, it's just so disrespectful and so unprofessional. Um, You just wonder, is this ever going to change? I I thought maybe during this pandemic, uh, there would be more civility, but um, whenever it gets across the political line or political interest, it just seems like the approach can't be just a, a civil discussion. You know, it, it has to be an attack, a disrespectful attack. Do you think most people recognize that? You know, unfortunately, you start thinking about what is normal. And I often tried to tell my kids when they were growing up that small steps in one direction can really lead you astray quickly. You know, small steps in the right direction gets you to a good end path. And I think it's over the last couple decades, we've just taken these small steps. And I don't know that we've all realized how far we're off the path of civility, of treating each other with respect. Um, And I think we know what the respect is. I heard a few years ago a line, and I've never been able to really track down an official source, but it's, Um, We all are educated beyond our level of obedience. And I think I thought of that a few times as I was reading your book as well. I think people know what it is to be kind and respectful, but it's just become the cultural norm to not be. And so that's where I kept trying to think, you know, who are the influencers that can bring us back to a point of being civil again? And so um, it's... It's a it's a big chasm right now. <laughs> Did you find uh, any new information as I w- worked through the different words that that are around uh, a kind of a cluster around the whole idea of civility, uh, like uh, the word civilian and civilization, um, the word polite, the word politician, which comes from the word polite. Uh, the whole concepts of gossip and slander and libel. Um, Honestly, as I was writing, I don't know that I've ever really focused on those words at that level before. Did you find any uh, insights or thoughts that will impact your life in any different way? You know, yes. Um, The material I felt on civility really two key words that kept coming up for me was uh, restoration and relationships. And you know, how civility grows out of that love and respectful relationship. um, And that you have to feel that each person is valuable, whether it's in that conversation or in the role they're playing in society. And that it needs then also to be coupled with, um, and that's where more the restoration comes in, that we're all gonna make mistakes I laughed when it said in there something like, we're all going to make a lot of mistakes (laughs) in our life. And believe me, I have. I could give quite a list. 
but asking for that forgiveness and then forgiving the others, you know, for that to become the new lifestyle is where you get that fertility, I think, of, in the ground swell of civility. You know, without that forgiveness, you don't have the restoration, but that all comes around the respectful relationship. And, and then the second point was, is how respect is contagious. I caught when you shared a vision for the better future, you know, as we model that civility and our actions and our words demonstrate a better way to live and treat one another. Hopefully that'll be contagious to those around us and help people to take a little more time to think about their words or how they could help others and, and realize the benefit if back to the chasm, if we move back this way a little bit more, how that could help not only that individual, and then hopefully with the movement, uh, help the society to become better. And and when one of the last thoughts I had on that was, I liked how you shared that a healthy, respectful culture gives freedom to change, adapt, improve, and innovate. You know, and talk about back to the COVID virus and our new our society today, I think we need to, you know, make some significant changes. And how do we do that in a civil way that allows freedom to be creative? And that's right. It was, it's been interesting just to watch the control issue. Well, does the governor get control or, you know, who has control that to tell us how to do? It? And I think that local things need to be control closer to home and how do we, and our churches. So this is, you know, it's those layers that form the culture that we live in and um, some good food for thought there. Some great encouragement. You know, a little bit of a secret that I really have made public, but working on this book on civility was the hardest book I've written. And I've written a number of books over the years and uh, I don't know why, but it just seemed to be just uh, the hardest project that I've ever had. I, I can't even explain why, except I don't know whether there was some uh, spiritual warfare going on there or what, or whether it's just my, my stupidity or whatever it was. Uh, I think we went through like 14, 15 full edits, and some of them were major edits. <laughs> where we threw, I threw out whole chapters and whole ideas, and the whole thing was... Uh, retyped uh, all those times and uh it, it just was seemed like it was a challenge and i i don't know whether it was just a bad idea or whether it's a bad book <laughs> or whether whether it was just uh, something uh, maybe at the other extreme <laughs> that might be something really needed and uh something that we really uh need to 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 be all encouraged about in in our lives anyway i i just uh, would like your truthful answer. Would you recommend this book to anybody? I wouldn't recommend writing it to anybody, but, <laughs> <laughs> but would you recommend that anybody read it? <laughs> yes, you know, I would. Um, actually, it, back to my dissertation, everything I've read, culture change is the hardest thing to change. And I think that's what you're trying to do with the civility to say, culture, hello, wake up, you know, look how off track we've gone. And um, so, yeah, I would recommend people read it. Uh, I believe your book provides a vision for how, uh, whether it's the United States or any smaller subset culture could really um, be focused on biblical principles and uh, how that would not only help uh, 
the Christian to live more civilly, but it would also help our whole society to operate more effectively and respectfully. So I think to me, this book was about setting that vision out there and even providing a few examples of like how you can be an apprentice or, you know, watch, be a role model for others. And so it even challenged me to think, you know, who are the influencers in my life? Who am I looking at? and trying to model myself after and then who am I influencing and um, how can we all work better together to really change society and one quote that I thought it was really helpful is never doubt that a small group of thoughtful committed people can change the world indeed it's the only thing that ever has and so I feel if you can get this book in a few key people's hands and if everybody can form a small group and start being that yeast in their community to be more civil. I think it was worth, what did you say, 12 revisions or whatever? 12 to 15, I lost count. Okay. <laughs> so like I said, hopefully it'll start creating this new story with our local communities, denominations, and hopefully, yeah, like we said, it can infiltrate and really help all of us be better people and uh, be a better witness for Christ. Well, thank you, Susan, so much for uh, reading the book, for uh, sharing this time with us. I wish you very well on your your dissertation. I know what that's like, so that's uh, that's a big deal, and um, uh, and what God's going to do through that. Also, in your family, blessings to you, and and also uh, in your church and the work that you're doing at that level. Continue the good work and pray that we do all get through this together. Well, thank you for this opportunity. It was a joy to read the book and blessings on praying that it has a great kingdom impact. Thanks so much, Susan. God bless you. You as well. Take care. Bye-bye.